children are a heritage from children Children are a heritage from the Lord. Well, welcome to the Abolish Abortion Missouri podcast. Uh, it's good to be on a new recording here. I am the host for this episode, Joshua Jenkins, and I am joined with a good friend of mine and co-worker in the abolition cause, Adam Cochran. Adam, Happy New Year. How you doing? Happy New Year. Oh, I'm doing good. I stayed up just past midnight, put my kids to bed, got some good sleep in, and then I've been already busy today. So it's a good start to the new year. So I'm glad that, uh, I don't know, we we haven't done the Tag Your It podcast in a while, and it seems like you and me always connect uh, the first of the year. So it's good <laughs> to continue, even if well, it's a different different uh different platform um you and me are joining forces yet again to start the year so i am happy to always work with you man absolutely and uh new year for more abolition work in the state of missouri and Mm -hmm. on this podcast what we want to do is talk about the involvement of the missouri baptist convention and the abolition cause within that convention and how it's going where it needs to go and and all the things you're involved in with it. So why not just to start, you tell us a little bit about your place in the convention, your involvement, um, and kind of what you do with Missouri Baptists. Yes. Uh, so it's a, it's a long history, and I know that uh, the story has been out there, but this is a new platform, and uh, especially since uh, Abolish Abortion Missouri has become what it has become anyway, um, which I'm very thankful for to be a part of. Um, we'll get the story out uh, with the with the, with the the AMO folks. Um, but I've been involved uh, with abolition in the Missouri Baptist Convention as a person that goes to a Missouri Baptist Convention member church anyway. Um, I think it's been about five years now. So it started with uh, Dave and I with the Taggart podcast. Dave, um, got hooked up with Dusty Devers. So that's like, you know, rescue those. And um, so it'd be Dusty Devers, Brett Baggett. And then they also have a clan called the Southern Baptist for Abolishing Abortion. They're the ones that wrote a resolution a few years back um, for abolition. And it was really the sticking point there was the repentance issue of uh, repenting from the pro-life movement and the incrementalism and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, uh, so basically what Dave got the, the blessing from Dusty Devers and the other SBA guys, Bill Askell and all that to, uh, basically take the same resolution. So what we, what we, our involvement is in the resolution time. And so resolutions are just a temperature taking of the Missouri Baptist convention where they're at. And we try to get resolutions adopted. It could be about anything. And ours is about, well, firstly, it was really that, um, what is abortion? What do we believe abortion is and how do we act consistently with it? And then it was like, we have adopted since Rose inception, this pro-life incrementalism that we need to repent from. And, uh, at the time it was ignore Roe in a way. And Hey, we, we, as a state need to, uh, a state convention need to call it, needs to call our state to nullify Roe really, and repent from the pro-life incrementalism and adopt, um, abolition without exception, without compromise. Um, so, um, so basically we did that for a couple of years 
um, no go and, uh, and started let me clarify, let me jump in yeah. and clarify yeah. here. This, uh, seeking to have this res- resolution, in the Missouri convention was mm-hmm. after the Southern Baptist convention, the national convention passed, they did pass an abolition resolution. Is that right? Or my, yes, I'm trying wrong? to think. Yeah. I mean, like there's so much history <laughs> to put yeah. into a little itty bitty, uh, package here. Um, but I'm trying to think if we did that a year prior to that or because since we started doing this, um, the the Missouri Baptist Convention gets together now in October versus uh, or I th- somehow it's there's some switcheroo going on between our meeting time anyway. So uh, but I'm trying to think I can't remember now if maybe we did it the year before and it was the next year it actually got accepted by the Southern Baptist. And then we came and said, hey, we need to join the big tent here, the national convention and agreeing as a state convention that we agree. So like in a way, the the Southern Baptist, the SBC has declared this repentance from the pro-life incrementalism um, sort of mindset here, uh, but the states haven't come together to say, hey, so the way the Southern Baptist convention works is we have local associations, which um, I mean, really no money gets sent to the local associations. A- anything that we tithe goes to the state convention. And then the local associations, a little offshoot of locality uh, and churches and that, but we're all autonomous churches. And then we cooperate together. And so that cooperation is in the form of money that funds missions and all this stuff. And then that gets fed to the state, which then whenever um the state gets the whole of that money then there's things that go to the state and then there's things that get sent to nashville which is the big sbc and everything is autonomous so you can almost be a missouri baptist convention member but not an actual sbc member though you have y'all connect on the uh, the baptist faith and message 2000 so there is some connections but you know it's all autonomous and that's the way it works um so i hope that yeah. answers that question Anyway, so like we we do these resolutions, it's basically saying, hey, um, especially here in Missouri, this is 1,800 churches represented whenever we get together. And so we make a statement. And uh, as we learned, uh, the the late um, Missouri Pathways uh, guy that started that up, Don Hinkle, he was actually a lobbyist. And so his hands were tied to what Missouri Baptist would say. So if the Missouri Baptist would pass this resolution, then his hands would have been untied to go, because he lived in Jeff City, the Missouri Baptist Convention buildings in Jeff City, and he'd be able to go to these people and say, hey, we want abortion abolished, no exceptions, no compromise. And, uh, you know, we have repented. We want you to repent with us. That was the big um the big uh, motto repent with us like we were not sitting all pious and high and mighty we we're saying like we were here too and we realized that we were sinning and doing this and we're just repent with us it's not condemning it's come with us join us let's uh, let's do this work together and stand with one unified voice um so we had no go on that and the sticking point was uh you know a lot of the pro life minded folks among us are like what are we repenting for. We don't see that. And so um, that was really a no-go, but the SBAA ended up changing the resolution style and we started championing equal protection for of the law for pre-born children. And so that's been the past couple of years. Um, My buddy Dave ended up moving to Kansas 
So I am the lone Missouri Baptist abolitionist. So like when, we're when we're talking about who's doing the resolutions, who knows the um, temperature of the room, that's got to be me. And luckily, I have some silent partners <laughs> so far that are a part of uh, they they go to the mills. They're the feet on the ground. Who am I? You know, these are really, really hardworking people, but they kicked my butt um, after I did it. Every, I did everything last year. And then this year I was having a hard time and they kicked me into gear um, into going back to the Missouri Baptist Convention and saying, like, we will have your back. You teach us since we're Missouri Baptist, too. You teach us. Um, you know, how to get around the Missouri Baptist stuff and what this resolution thing's all about. So, and it again um, came back with the Missouri Baptist or the Equal Protection for of the Laws for Preborn Children resolution. Um, last year, um, I got it heard or whatever, but I didn't like on what happens here is I have to submit this resolution in August or before the end of August. And then they get it. And then I end up getting called into either I can be in person or a Zoom meeting and uh, talk to the resolutions committee. They ask me some questions, but they're the gatekeepers of any resolution. And so they're the ones that can put it out before the people. So whenever you do come to the Missouri Baptist Convention, you'll have it, see it printed. Hey, we're going to go through this. And, um, you know, here's the information prior to voting on these things. And uh, mine didn't make it the past, like mine is like, None of this abolition stuff has ever made it directly from the resolutions committee. So every time we've done anything, we've had to call it out of committee. So with Robert's rules, um, checks and balances here, um, if you get enough votes from people, you can tell the resolutions committee, hey, we want to hear it and we want to vote on it, even though you didn't want you didn't want us to. <laughs> and so we've we've had it heard, but we never in that case, you have to get a two thirds and not a simple majority vote. And so. Last year, we didn't even get the two thirds. So they heard just enough of it just to go like, are we going to take this out of committee? Didn't get the two thirds this year, got the two thirds. You get to talk about it a little bit more and then you need a simple majority to pass it. Um, so there has been some progress. If you're going to talk about any incrementalism, there are more people coming to the understanding and being like, not just okay with, there's a lot more support. We're just still not um unanimous we're not uh even close you know we're still not getting that uh that um i guess simple majority vote but we did you know we've been making strides there's been education there are people understanding it now but there's still a lot of the same threads same arguments same issues um that are still going around um but you know it, it is one of those things um people are i guess you can say waking up and really trying to understand this but then as that happens there's still a lot more hard-headed opposition um continuing to find a new argument to dissuade and that's kind of just what happened this year is just getting more uh, arguments <laughs> different arguments to have to spend a year on so what has the resolutions committee they have so they have not passed out an abolition or equal protection uh, resolution from the committee. What has been their reasoning to you as to why they have not voted it out of committee? Well, I think this year was definitely, you know, what, what have we said in the past? How is this any different? I've given them the difference and it's still like, eh, it's no different. We've already made our statement on this. Um, so just to put it in perspective, last year, um, 
the one one big thing that we've been fighting is the fact that we have the Christian Life Commission that is basically Missouri's ERLC. And that's actually what the ERLC was called before it was called the ERLC, the Ethics and Religious Liberty. Um, but it was called the oh Christian Life Commission. And then they then the national side changed to the ERLC. Missouri's retained the original. Um, and they were founded to end row. So basically they just already done their job, which it kind of showed this year. So like we've always had to fight the CLC. So what happens is that if they write a resolution, it just directly goes to the people. They're an entity of the Missouri Baptists. So they don't really need a rubber stamp. Um, basically it's a rubber stamp for the resolutions committee. So like, yeah, we'll pass it, throw it out, throw it out there. So we've always kind of had to hear what they'd have to say on abortion and, and that issue, and then we'd have to correct it, and then we'd have to substitute it with the abolition stuff. This year, this is what's telling. So like I just said, the CLC has done its job. It was initially to be something, an entity, to help end Roe versus Wade. They got what they, they, got what they wanted, and really, this is the first year that the only abortion resolution, anything that was dealing with abortion, was the equal protection resolution. So I didn't have to fight the CLC this year and try to correct anything there. But that is a telling thing. Um, you know, it's like, I know we don't like, we don't necessarily want to speculate, but I think there's enough information there to say they did their job, rose over. We tried to celebrate it last year um, where I ended up getting some uh, amendments, which would totally blow up the issue because they were like last year, they're just saying, you know, we uh, we we say elective abortions are bad and they're the sinful blight on our land and or on our nation. And I ended up going like, well, we actually need to say elective, self-managed and uh, oh, uh, oh, it was it perfectly. Like, it was the big word anyway, but coerced abortions basically mm -hmm. um, are a sinful blight on our state and nation because they forgot. Well, Roe's over. Now it's they didn't actually right. say anything. They just handed it over to the state. So we need to be careful with their language, which then would have said, well, yeah, elective abortions were the only thing here in Missouri for now that are uh, are criminal, um, which is only the abortionist, not anybody else involved. Um, and so we still got a lot of work to do, but they didn't come out with anything this year. And so equal protection is the difference. The resolutions committee somehow still doesn't understand that equal protection of the laws for reborn children enacting the same uh, homicide code that we have for you and me sitting here right now for children in the womb. Um, that is like the big difference, which is like the issue. Um, so that's why they don't, that's why they didn't bring it out. This, what they told me why they didn't bring it out this year. Cause it's, we've said this stuff before and it's like, no, no, but you know, I'm not the Holy Spirit, so I can only continue to champion and teach and uh, get the word out. So and build so, a collective. Yeah. So essentially, they've said Roe is over. We had the Missouri trigger law, and there's no problem. Basically, is is kind of what they're saying. In um, other words, I wouldn't say it that directly. Okay, <laughs> they wouldn't. They wouldn't talk that clear. But that's um, kind of maybe the attitude, yeah. or or am I definitely the air in the room? Yeah. It's it's different, like because like again, like uh, we've been, you know, we've been sold that you know once you um, get rid of the abortionist, being able to do it, abortion's over, and it's like yeah. Which and the is thing really is, like, yeah. oh, go, go ahead. Continue. Oh, I was just gonna. Oh, I lost track. So. <laughs> well, yeah, it's 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 fascinating, and I think that's been one of the problems with uh, what has happened since 
the overturning of Roe and the Missouri trigger law taking effect is it's kind of lulled people to sleep and not realize abortion is still a very high issue. You know, Wes Scroggins had shared with us at our last AMO conference up in St. Louis area, the statistics on abortion since Missouri's trigger law took effect and self-managed abortions have gone way up since the trigger Mm -hmm. law abortions Mm -hmm. in our neighboring states of Kansas and Illinois have gone up, which you have to correlate the trigger law with that and recognize there are people going across just over the border, uh, Missouri citizens to get abortions that are elective and uh, surgical, if you will. So it's certainly, we can't be uh, lulled to sleep and thinking this is somehow we've we've made it we've abolished abortion in missouri because that's just not the case is that something that you think we'll be able to get through to these uh uh, resolutions committees or are they not aware of this or have a different view on it or what do you think well this would be so not this year uh but the the following year but the thing about to know about the resolutions committee it's different people every year it's appointed by the president so whoever is the president that year, you serve a two-year term. So um, we've got a new president now, so it'll be a different, you know, it's it's year to year. So you can't like have any continuity of personality um, and that stuff. But so it was not this past year, but the year prior, um, the view, um, you know, I ended up going there like, are we going to end up, well, I guess I got to back up here. They're talking about like instead of doing this equal protection thing, like why not go after the pill companies? So like the, they've already gone after the abortionists. Let's go after the pill companies. And I'm like, so and I'm thinking that I'm in a room of, you know, I, I'm not this way, but I know that the uh, the feeling is there that if you're a Republican, you're a Christian. Right. And so if you're a Republican, you're going to hold on to your guns. And so like, I'm just going to go in and just try to make an analogy here. I'm like, are we going to go after the guns or are we going to go after the shooter? And then I got this, well, you know, I'm a little bit on the uh, other end of that. And I'm saying, wow, we have definitely taken on this like secular uh, politic or like political identity thing going on here. And I'm like, where is the Bible in this? You know, Um, so that that is the I, I can't say that that was one person on the committee from two years ago. So I can't say that for everybody, Um, but I would say that. It would be more they would be more apt to say going after the pill companies next. So this mm-hmm. is the the incrementalism. So they're gonna try to abolish it by giving you no option instead of just making it simple and going, here's the actual way. Like we're not gonna abolish the act. And I think whenever I if if any of you can understand me as far as like the way that I talk and my framework, um, we have a worldview. And you can't take somebody's worldview, envelop it in yours, and then explain their worldview without just totally like straw manning them. And so they believe that the and I will get to a clip here in a second, which you know will will kind of demonstrate that. But they think that we're we're naive enough that we can actually end abortion. You know, it's like we can end legalized abortion, but we can't we we can't control people's hearts. And the abolitionists know about the work of the Holy Spirit here and that the Holy Spirit's the only one that can regenerate a person to make them hate murdering people, even 
little people in the womb. Um, that's that's the issue. It has to be a Holy Spirit gospel rot thing. And so we're just talking about the illegal, like, you know, it has to be criminalized. And so we still are not naive going, well, once it's legal or once it's illegal, people are going to stop. It's like, we're not that, we're not that stupid. <laughs> you know, we know what we're right. talking about. It seems like that's what they do, but that's what they do. And um, I think that's the major talking past, past one another in that. Um, yeah. It's, it seems like hearing you explain their positions it sounds very much like I've heard from a lot of the pro-life organizations in Missouri. It seems like it boils down to the issue of not wanting to uh, have a woman held legally responsible or, mm -hmm. or criminalizing uh, abortion. And thus, those who procure them have committed a, a felony. It seems like mm -hmm. that's the fear. Um, you may not have an answer to this, so just quick answer or not, if you don't know, but do you think in terms of that, is it the Southern Baptists who are influencing the pro-life legislators in that doctrine, or is it pro-life organizations influencing the Southern Baptist view on not wanting to criminalize abortion? I, my quick answer would just be like, the lines are so blurred there. Yeah. Um, we've been sold a secular identity. So, I mean, I've, it's a, I guess you can say the the whole two kingdoms uh, theology, um, just a, a lack of Christ being Christ over all things, in all things, all of Christ for all of life. That I mean, you can say those to people and they seemingly get you, but then it comes out in this practice and you're going like, where where's the rub? Like, how are we different now? Um, so I think it's so intertwined. I don't know who's speaking to who. Right. So you got Louisiana. You know, you have the pro-life organizations, including the RLC, saying, don't do this. But then again, it's the other people talking to them, too. It's so like echo chamber, like who who's starting what? And then you have to just get back to what is the root of the pro-life movement? When did it start? Why did it start? What what is its goals and all that kind of stuff? And it's just completely in a time where, you know, in a time of just did anybody consider like a complete sola scriptura like christianity um in on this or was it just a complete like well you know politics is dirty politics belongs only on the earth uh, christ shouldn't influence it really we should come to our own conclusions that will lead hopefully to christ you know christ where we're, he's fighting at the table he's at the he doesn't own the table mm -hmm. like you know was that the narrative at the time you know so we kind of really have to get more into that history to really understand that but I, I think it's just there's an agreement there i'd say uh cali when he says the doctrine of balaam when you get into the you know the churches of revelation you know just that influence of uh the the teachings of the nicolaitans you know is there an analogy there and that I, that's where i would probably put it is you know the uh we have a new, uh, I, I guess if there's a biblical analogy, we have a new issue that involves the uh, whole clay feet and uh, the clay and iron feet mixing. And that's the the secular state and then the religious people, you know, and it's like the synthesis of uh, something that can be obliterated completely by scripture and we can follow Christ like 100% faithfully by being abolitionists. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's just not the way it's viewed. 
Well, you mentioned a, a, a moment ago a clip that you wanted to show here. So why don't you give us a little context to this clip and tell us who the gentleman is in this clip and uh, then roll us into it. All right. Well, so this is uh, I got a clip from this year um, or this past year whenever I was at the NBC um, or NBC AM Missouri Baptist annual meeting. Um, so and when was this, this meeting? Year. So this was in the at the end of October. I forgot the, com okay. the complete dates, but the end of October here. And uh, so this is from yeah, the NBC AM 23. Um, I had argued to say I want to pull the equal protection of preborn children resolution from the committee. I got my two minutes. And so like whenever I do that, I was like, I'd like to make a motion to do this. And uh, I get a second and I get two minutes to go. Here's why. And then they offer time after I after I do that for other people. You know, somebody's going to speak against uh, bringing this from um, the committee. And so this would be in that sort of time. So like what did happen here is I made the motion, got the second. He uh, this this gentleman that I will name here in a minute, uh, um, he ends up speaking against it. Um, and then there's a, a vote. And this is where I got my two thirds to actually pull it from the committee to keep, you know, debating it. Um, so the clip is um, is important to know because we have. In, in the Missouri Baptist Convention life, we do have people who are politicians who go to Missouri Baptist churches. And so what's really cool about this is this man is a politician. He is a Missouri state representative. Um, he's also a pastor. But whenever you come to the Missouri Baptist Convention, you're a messenger. And so I have just as much standing as a messenger doesn't matter who he is. doesn't matter that he's a state representative or senator. If he was the governor, we're Missouri Baptist messengers. And so that's the beauty about this is this puts us all on equal footing. But it's important because there is that influence. He is somebody that is um, in the legislative authority in the state. I don't have it. He's also been involved, especially as a pastor. He's been involved in Missouri Baptist life way longer than I have. He knows a lot more than I do and that's fine and stuff like that. But I still like that equal footing thing. Um, but yeah, this is where he came in and uh, he ended up speaking again, prior to the two thirds vote. Um, he came in to speak against uh, bringing this out of committee. And so while I, I got to hit the uh, share button here and now it should be, ready to go but yeah so basically you get two minutes to speak and so do we want to play all two minutes of what he had to say let's do it yeah all right so yeah so this is um represent missouri representative doug ritchie um he's in the excelsior springs area so yes he's not uh any of our uh, representatives or anything like that but again he is a missouri baptist uh pastor and he's also a Missouri Baptist or a Missouri state representative. And I'm trying to think how long it's been, but he's been, he's been around a while anyway, but this is him coming in to speak against bringing out the resolution from committee. Uh, Doug Ritchie messenger from Pisgah Baptist church. Um, though I am rising to speak against, uh, I want to start by saying I commend my brother. We have uh, had a lot of discussion over the last uh, four or five years about this matter. 
And I, I love the dedication he has uh, to stopping abortion, period. Uh, that is something that we all in this room share as a, as a, uh, a mission, a, uh, a determined goal. That's what we want. And, uh, but that being said, uh, most of this document, absolutely all on board. Uh, there's no question whatsoever. The one detail that we need to be aware of is in the 8th and ninth resolves, and it has to do with the fact that this document does call for the criminalization of the woman who is pursuing the abortion. Uh, so that's the issue, okay? Now, this, I would say as a pastor, falls into the land of Christian liberty. You can make a biblical argument for both directions. But let's understand this. Since 1825, so for almost 200 years in our state, because this is the context within which we're operating, since 1825, the state of Missouri made abortion illegal, and our Christian forefathers and foremothers, if you will, uh, at that time even, articulated and made a call for mercy regarding the woman. This is an area where we recognize it is murder, but we are and have for two centuries in our state articulated as Christians that the uniqueness of this, of this area makes mercy important regarding the mother. It's analogous to suicide. We all in this room believe suicide is murder. It's self-murder and it's sin. And it should be stopped. Time has expired, sir. Okay, thank you. All right. So that was his two minutes um, of uh, speaking against uh, the uh, pulling out the resolution again. Got anything, Josh? Yeah, so he, I thought it was interesting. He states at the beginning, he has professedly this shared goal to abolish or end abortion in Missouri. So he wants to have this common footing here. And yet, as we heard there, his objection to the resolution was in the criminalizing. He phrased it as criminalization of the woman. Mm -hmm. Is that an accurate way to describe it? Or is it maybe a little bit of kind of the left line kind of a scare quote type of thing what do you what yeah what what do you take what's your take on that yeah um so that that's what it's coming down to and this is this is the whole like when you even talk about bart barber the president of the sbc when you talk to anybody that is like highly tied into the sbc what they've been doing for a long time um i mean this is this is it like they keep on continuing to say you're criminalizing the woman you're i'm like um well for one if you look at real if we're going to talk about real things here okay we look at what mike moon has written year and year and year um the only time that you see anything where it's gendered is when it says just because of the context we're in it says that a woman would have the um, availability for, for the affirmative duress issue so if right. A woman was actually had a gun held to her head. Uh, a pimp brought her in, had her hogtied, and was like, "You're going to sit right there, and the doctor is going to do what they need to do." All right, they have the like you. That's totally should be provable, should be easy to get through. The thing is that we what we really need, how we need to look at this, is there is a dead image bearer. Why isn't there a trial? You look in Deuteronomy. Yeah. That even like even if you don't find out who killed who, they still had to offer a sacrifice. 
just to yep. undefile the land. All right. That's how much like, why aren't we saying how much God hates death and those and people that shed blood? God hates that. And we're not, we're, we're willing to just go, we got a dead image bear over here, but look at the woman. And it's like, wait a second. Well, was she like, can, can we still love women and ask the question? Like who did it? Like who hurt you? Were you under, like we're, we're caring about the woman. And if you look at an actual abolition bill that's written by a legislator for other legislators, there's no gender. All right. right. And so like the only reason that abolitionists are talking about women is because they are, and we're saying they won't have any criminal liability if, and so the if is maybe there is a mistake effect. Maybe that could be a technicality, you know, like have we, have we in good faith engaged this and they're not doing this in good faith because if they do, then they are rejecting their former way of thinking that they can't do this incrementally. And so this is just another incremental step. Oh yeah, we we were going to say it's murder, but we can't criminally charge women, which it's like well one of those things like well you do if a woman is actually is if a woman's an abortionist. Mm-hmm. Do we not criminalize them? Because you're after the abortionist. But so are you going to say the same thing? Well, can't a woman who is an abort and is an abortionist is she under the same deception and lies that should get her off for performing the abortion? So again, like once you, once you do this, like equal protection, any sort of equal scales go out the window. And it's only just to, again, save face. And this is the issue. What, here's the question from the, even the first resolution, what do I have to repent of? You're making me repent of something that I don't believe the Bible says that I should repent of. That's what I was told. And I'm going, if it's not clear, like I can't, I can't go any further. I, I can't be any clearer. The Bible cannot be any clearer. And so that's not a, a Bible's perspicuity issue. That's not my issue. That's the person. And again, the heart issue. And then that's where we're at. Yeah. It seems to me like, I think it's important to clearly go over this again as abolitionists it's now being used. We've seen it there. We see it in other news media that opposes abolition, where this phrase, they just want to criminalize women, is used as this scare phrase, uh, which is not fully accurate of what we're trying to do. We are putting forth, advocating for equal protection of image bearers of God, whatever their age or position in life might be. And it has nothing to do with going after women. It has to do with criminalizing abortion, criminalizing it as as murder. And if it happens to be a woman who's doing it, procuring it, whatever, then yeah, they would be held liable just as if it were a male abortionist or uh, in, in the case you gave an extreme example of a man forcing a woman to do it, which can can be possible. So Mm-hmm. It is kind the of other a word. There's thing, another like, word there. You just used it. You said procure, right? What he said, seek. Huh. That's the other language switch that ah, I keep very on good, yeah. like, like uh they're saying that abolitionists are are wanting to go after women who seek abortion. And it's one of those things. If you're a woman and you're in a horrible situation and you're going like, should I? 
we're not coming after you for that. Like right. you're going, you're a human, you are a sinful human being and you're going to have those thoughts. I know in my life, you know, that this is the whole like Matthew five, like hating your brother thing. Like we are going to have those things. If we, if we hate our brother and our, like we are murderers. Mm-hmm. And so that's the difference between like what the state should have the sword against and what they can't. So I can't get into your head. We can't, we, we're not going to put you on trial or put anyone on trial for having the thoughts. And that's the way they make it look that we are, we want to go after the person seeking abortion. No, it's if they procure it and how it was procured. So right. again, a woman wouldn't be liable, criminally liable if she was carted there against her will. But right. you have these women out there like with, with pills that they're able to get they're sitting there taking TikTok videos going like, I've got a human in my belly. I know it's murder. Ah, and they, they're, they're wanting you to celebrate with them. Yep. This is Romans one eighteen through 32 for absolutely sure. They know and they're celebrating it and people are applauding it. And those, those women are victims of some like system. Again, like, are we going to be thinking like in man's terms? And like you, I'll keep on saying it. This is where conservatives buy into critical race theory and intersectionality. And so here's where, whenever you got two wings of the same bird, somebody says that here you go. And then so here's how we are doing it. And again, so if you want to, if you want people to stop asking you to repent of things, you need to stop doing these things, because now we don't need to just repent of like. At, like letting abortion happen legally now we need to repent from borrowing from a demonic worldview which is where you know where this critical race theory and intersectionality critical theory um higher criticism all that stuff comes out of demonic anti-christ sort of worldview here uh, and we need to stop bringing it in and it's in it's it's among us and we need to stop this so like it's even worse than what you ever thought <laughs> the more that the longer this thing goes the longer we talk about it the more just stuff and you're just sitting there and it does feel like a weight on me and i'm just like hey, there's so much to talk about and we we've got to repent so so bad right now you know and but that that's that's sad now the other argument that he made in that 2 minute clip there was he he made the statement that you can argue this in both directions. And then he proceeds mm-hmm. to, it sounds like, quote, uh, basically Missouri legal precedents that had been yeah. set previously. Yeah, so it sounds be, like he's saying... prove it, but uh, you're not going to use the Bible. You're going to use state history. Hmm. So, yeah. So his, yeah, his argument was, yeah, you can make ar- legal arguments based upon Missouri precedents and statutes and stuff but what does that have to do with what the church of jesus the southern you know in this case missouri baptist convention has to say about what does the bible say about this you can't so sure you could make we can you can make arguments legally in both directions based upon different things that have happened um i don't know the legal history well enough so i can grant that point but is it possible here's what really matters our foundation of authority can you make biblical arguments in either direction yep and then the question is okay where is it it's not here 
All right. I understand you got two minutes. Yeah. But if you say that you can argue this both ways, here's mine. Here's where I go in the Bible. Um, and you know, it's been, it's been long enough, uh, because I asked him right after, um, this was all said and done. And, um, I, you know, I, I had a text conversation and I sent like, I would, I said, I would really like to understand your position biblically on what your argument is. I got a thumbs up on the text, no response. I like, basically I asked like, do you have any resource? Like, you don't have to tell me. But I was just typing like, you don't have to tell me yours, but like, do you have any resources that you could lead me to, to understand this other side? And uh, then it was maybe, maybe a couple of weeks ago, I just kind of texted him like, just a reminder, I'd like to see what your side of this is. I want to understand you still to no avail. I do not have any resources or anything sent to me um, to understand like what he said. So that's just a bald assertion. Um, and then he baits and switches you to talk about Missouri president because it's, it's, it's one of those things like the pro-life side only has a very limited history to appeal to. Right. And that's all they'll do. And it's a, it's a prideful thing. This is like whenever you have a uh, Russell Hunter from well, abolitionist rising now talking about using the term pro-life pride, this is just pro-life pride being hit against with the Bible and the thing is, is, yeah, we have this in our air for so long that people aren't following arguments and just going like and, and thinking about them critically to go, wait a second. He just said biblical argument, but then he switched over to the here's the state history like he left the he left the the topic. And uh, so like the room's not going, OK, Doug, like, OK, what? but what's the biblical one? I, I can understand his position. But I don't know your position or it needs to be asked like, well, I, I agree with Doug because I can come up with it. And here's how I come up with it. Adam, what do you say? You know, it's like, but there's, I mean, we're doing this at two minutes at a time within a 10 minute window. So, I mean, that's, that's, what's hard. So uh, maybe we're up to 40, 50 minutes actually talking about this over five years, you know? <laughs> and so it's really hard to get in there. And the thing, my problem is, is I don't do that emotional argument and i just say what it is and keep to those succinct things and uh if you don't win by emotions you don't win in this sort of format and so like i it has to be completely a work of god and a complete work of holy spirit of the holy spirit to do this and uh i can operate not out of out of being scared because this is a sanctifying situation and uh everything's gonna like a thing is like abortion is going to be abolished and it, it will, and it will be I'm not sure in my lifetime, but it will be, and it'll be before uh, Christ comes. Like, <laughs> like I don't have to be scared. Um, but, uh, but that's just where we are. And I know that God hands people over to things for certain reasons and that he has his ways. And I've just got to completely trust God in on that. But yeah, this is what we're doing right now. This is what we're seeing. So I want to ask you one more thing in regards to the statements there from Doug Ritchie. He says abortion is murder. He does use those words. Mm -hmm. But then he, in, towards the end of that argument, begins to state how we should opt for mercy and how Missouri or whatever has traditionally opted for mercy towards the woman. So is that merciful? For It's kind of a two-part question is, 
is that the when it comes to what the government should do in regard to murder, is it their job? Does it belong to their ability to give mercy? And then is it merciful to not criminalize abortion? Yeah. And that's, see, this is like, this is why we need, like, we can't reduce, like everything's so highly reductionistic here. Um, no, we, we have a dead, we have a dead person that needs a trial. It's not the government that applies mercy. It's the jury. Right. How about that? So like, you know, like we're forgetting that abolitionists are calling for a trial. Like they're, they're trying to say, we are just this total, like tyrannical off with your heads for even sneezing <laughs> in the direction of abortion. No, we bring it to trial. And so the mercy is actually written in the resolution saying that a woman is not criminally liable for a mistake to fact, duress, those kind of things that covers that. And so like the mercy is in the jury and unlike what Jesus could have trusted because he was out to, for the lost sheep of the house of Israel specifically. And he was also against the people that were leading those people blindly. So like, why didn't like, you know, an answer to like, maybe another objection is like, you know, why wouldn't Christ take the Samaritan woman to the high priests and the, those people? It's like, well, he was going to judge them too. So if there's any uniqueness, it's the uniqueness of the time that Christ was here on earth where he was going to judge them and he was saving these people. And so we actually cannot, you can't exegetically defend, like take anything from the woman at the well, or you can't take anything from the woman caught in adultery and place it on today, especially, you know, you, cause you have to do all the work of going like, well, we have a legislator, we have an executive branch, we have a judicial branch, like, you know, they're under monarchy, <laughs> you know, it's, there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot more work to do. You can't just simply reduce this thing, and that's what they're doing. Um, the only way that I know that is from other conversations with other people. It's like it's the woman at the well, it's the woman caught in adultery, and they will at least admit the textual variant nature of the woman in caught in adultery. And they, but they, it's the woman at the well. It's like, well, why wouldn't Jesus? Uh, why didn't he send her? Like, especially though, well. We'll get rid of the textual variant. We'll go to the woman at the well. Like she's a serial adulterer. I'm like, well, you didn't read your Bible because actually she was probably made an adulterer by the man. So that's a different situation. So that apples and oranges there. Um, why wouldn't he like the, the other question was like, you know, so why did, why, you know, would Jesus like, you know, did we see him like go in before a bunch of people and try to write a resolution and stuff? I'm like, he's God. He wrote the law. He already did. He's already said it's wrong. So, you know, it's like, so this is how deep for some reason, like we cannot just be faithful truth bearers in this. This is how far we've gone um, from the Reformation. I guess you can say that's, we're still going and there's always going to be people like this. And again, these are brothers. I just, I have to stress that yep. these are brothers and I know that I have to operate. And so fellow abolitionists that are, your blood's boiling right now. Yeah, my heart rates up. I get it, but we still need to go. God has given each of us a measure of faith that we have to deal with. Okay. We're all being sanctified. We're not on the same spot. Okay. So we need to make sure that we are giving the same amount of latitude that we would want to receive in another area. So we can't be pious and be curmudgeonly, but we got to go. Doug Ritchie is a brother. He just, we got to pray for him 
And we want to see him one over to our side and stop this fighting and actually fight for the truth, fight for these children, fight for these people in the womb, these image bearers, and do it the right way according to scripture. Because we know that's, I know that's what he would really want to do. There's just something in the way, there's some sort of fear of man. We all have it. What is it in your life that you need to get rid of too? So we, like, we got to frame this whole thing and just make sure we are not at each other's throats and blood's dripping from brothers here. So, right. you know, let, let's, yeah. So I just, I can't stress that enough uh, coming out of this. Uh, but yeah, we, this, but this is how, again, this is how far, and this is like what we're creating and what people are creating just to get around the truth. And it's really sad. Right. And just to echo that sentiment there with uh, viewing Doug Ritchie and the Missouri Baptist as brothers, we're not we're not desiring here to to drag Ritchie, uh, Doug Ritchie through the mud here and and slander him. I hope we have not done that. I don't believe we have. We've just taken his words and we can be grateful where he does say truth, uh, truth, truthful things on this matter, where he does say it is murder. And we do want to end it. We just desire him and those like him in the convention to be consistent with what they say they want and help help spur one another, sharpen and spur one another on to uh, be consistent in that. Let me uh, ask you, talked about Missouri Baptist issues with abolition resolutions and those types of things. You did get, uh, from what you said earlier, the two-thirds vote to continue the debate on it. So yeah. that is, so that, a hopeful yeah, that pulled it from, yeah, that pulled it from committee officially. And then okay. it's, and again, we have more time of debate to then it gets to the uh, second time the second vote is the simple majority that we didn't get. But okay. again, we're, that was one hurdle closer. If again, if we're going to talk, talk about any righteous incrementalism, I can thank God for seeing that. Right. And then seeing where we need to go. What can Missouri Baptists do if they're listening to this? Maybe they haven't been involved in the uh, support of abolition in the Missouri Convention. What can they do if they're listening to help you or help the abolition cause going forward at the next uh, upcoming uh, Missouri Baptist meeting? Yeah. And in preparation Well, the big thing it, is, yeah, um, we're going to have to get our butts out of our pews. And we need to, if you're, if you're thinking the Missouri Baptist convention is just a bunch of old people and fuddy duddies might be true. Actually, no, that's the, the convention. That's going to be more of your, uh, your, uh, local association is going to be a little bit more of that crowd. But when it comes to the convention, you need to get out of, out of your pew. You need to ask to be a messenger. You need to come and meet people and love people. The convention's great as far as like relationships. Like that's the best thing. You ask anybody that goes to the convention. It's like I like I hate the business meeting, but I love the people and you get to make good connections, network, see a lot of cool things, hear a lot of cool things. And but the thing, there's a lot of cool stuff to be involved in the business meeting too. And then you get to worship together as well. Um, so that's the big thing. You know, talk about talk with your pastors about what abolition is why it's important, um, you know, get a hold of, get a hold of us at AMO, um, support AMO. Uh, we, we need, uh, I mean, we don't like to ask for money, but, uh, there's, there's opportunities that we could have, um, though 
with a little bit of cash, uh, we can, we can get these things, we can get conferences going and all that kind of stuff. And those are well and good, but what we need to think about those things that affect the person next to you in the pew. And so sometimes it's not going to be a conference. It's going to be you. And so we need to get up out of our pews, do the work, get involved, get involved with AMO, sign up for the newsletter, um, come to the rally, February 27th. Um, we've been doing that for years now. Um, and then, but really it's like in the NBC, become a messenger, get involved, get a hold of me. Um, and I, I have an unofficial committee, committee of people um, that are supporters of me now. And I've got this little thing going. If you can get a hold of me and you want to be a messenger at the Missouri Baptist annual meeting next year, you let me know and I will get you hooked up with uh, information on how this thing works what we're doing and what I need when we get there. And so I've already got a bunch of people um, that I can talk to and send you to in the meantime. And then other than that, it's just like go out there to the mills, um, talk to people, talk to your family because I'm a barber and you don't know how many people I've changed their mind just in a, a quick conversation over a haircut. Um, they saw that pro-life helps, movement to, is not helps to have a razor in your hand while you're <laughs> that that's a i'm not putting the fear into no. them i'm not saying you you change or i'll cut your ear off so that's that's cool <laughs> but i do have a captive audience <laughs> it is a little bit of a uh intimidation factor they have to like well they don't really want to nod their heads when it, whenever i'm doing that but no like there's a lot of good changed uh there's a lot of good conversation i've had in public and don't be afraid to have these conversations and they will get a little bit heated, but then show somebody else how you can love them in disagreement in this. And that will win, that will win it. And then uh, we can only go from there. So. So the next Missouri convention will be in October, 2024. The, Is that right? It'll be the end we of October as far as I know. Yep. So yeah, there's okay. a lot of time. And so, yeah, this will be, you know, like we got the legislative session starting here in a couple of days that'll be over um then the the big sbc convention will happen and then we'll have the state conventions after that and uh yeah so we got a long time so please if you uh want to like i've got the facebook page called missouri baptist for abolishing abortion um if you are familiar with the southern baptist for abolishing abortion the icon looks the same it's just blue and it says mbaa instead of sbaa and that's the missouri baptist that's me and then um, I can get you hooked up with uh, some other stuff that I have uh, kind of in the works and uh, some hidden stuff anyway. Like uh, I got, again, I got my little secret society of people that are supporting me. And I want you guys to join that too, if you're here in Missouri. And uh, then that basically just, I'm just uh, leading an army of people into the NBC AM to line the microphones, to talk to people and uh, be able to get this thing through next year. Well, Adam, I appreciate it. I think it's been uh, enlightening and helpful, uh, especially for any involved in the Missouri Baptist Convention. And um, we'll keep praying and working towards uh, getting a resolution passed, but most importantly, getting Missouri Baptist hearts and minds changed and reformed to think biblically on this issue. Mm -hmm. I do want to invite the listeners, depending on when you're listening to this, we also have a abolition uh, abolish abortion missouri conference coming up in chillicothe missouri if you're up mm -hmm. in that area of the state that will be saturday january 13th starting at 10 a.m and so it's just a one little 
one day conference up there. Wes Scroggins and myself will be there as well as some others from AA Mo. If you find that event, you can find it on Facebook and RSVP. If you want to have lunch, it will be provided if you RSVP. So with that, Adam, I appreciate it. This has been good. And I think we'll sign off from here, brother. Well, thank you guys very much. And just anybody who listens to this, thank you so much. And uh, again, let's get out there and let's, uh, you know, I guess uh, for Kevin's sake, abortion must be abolished. AMBA.